The podcast Under the Stairs will feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners will find offensive. to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs episode number 35. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and we are still counting down the top 10 best and worst horror remakes as selected by yours truly. Um, So today we are going to be talking about number six on the list of the best and worst horror remakes and i i mean this show is going to be awesome and if you're going to have an awesome show you need to have an awesome guest and i have had i mean i've been overjoyed and privileged that i've been able to chat to this man as much as i have over the last couple of weeks he's a really cool dude i I think his promo gets played all the time, and rightly so. He's the the man behind uh, the encyclopedia of slasher knowledge, and uh, does one of the hardest shows out there. He runs a solo podcast. Is of course my guest, Mister Johnny Crew. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really awesome, man. I'm I'm super stoked to be here, dude. Ah, thank you very much for coming back on, and the listeners will get the opportunity to hear your sexual tones again um, (laughs) in the next couple of days when the anniversary show drops, and they'll get to hear a rather fascinating discussion we had about a certain movie called White of the Eye. Which I have actually thought a lot about even after the fact that we talked about it. Yeah, it's so. one of those things. I mean, you. I mean, I'd seen the movie a couple of times, and I was like, you know, I need to, I need to get someone in on this. Um, and like, I was thinking of all the people I could, you know, bring in to do that show, and I was like, Johnny, Johnny, he lives for this sort of stuff. He'll be able to tie up any loose ends, maybe compare it to other movies I've not seen because I know that you're, you're kind of that's in your wheelhouse. Um, and we were just chatting about that movie and then about halfway through it you just kind of formed this sort of idea of what you think the film means and since then i've been like that's what that film means I, I, i've not been able to shake that feeling that you hit the nail on the head <laughs> that's awesome i'm excited for people to hear it because that was a good discussion yeah it really was it really was and um like i say that'll be dropping in the next couple of days for the people to check out one uh, the one year anniversary show um so uh, Johnny, I, I mean, just in case people out there haven't checked out your show yet, I don't know why they would be doing that, and I don't know why they'd be listening to me and not checking out your show first, but um, how can they find Kruger Nation on the internet? Uh, you can go to KrugerNation.com, or you can go to iTunes and uh, subscribe to Kruger Nation Horror Podcast, and on Facebook and Twitter, I'm Johnny Krug, and there's also a Kruger Nation Facebook page, and even though if you go to it and you see that uh, there hasn't been an episode in a little over a month, don't worry. I'm I'm about to get back into it heavily. Just a lot of stuff's going on, so I'm I'm super stoked. I have a, a full slate of awesome stuff coming up. Oh yeah, I, I, I do I I do know that every now and again there's a, a gap in between your shows, but it's well worth the wait because when you come back, it's always movies. I've said this before. It's always movies that I haven't heard of. Or movies that I have, you know, I've heard of, but I've haven't had a chance to check them out. Um, and then, I, I mean, I, I think that one of the cool things about your show is you get 
heavily involved with what happens in the movie, but it's not like you're you're being completely anal about it and going com- you know completely scene by scene. And <laughs> it's it's a it's a fun show, and I think um, those movies are all about having fun, and I think um, that that kind of comes through in your reviews anyway. Um, so uh, the first question I always ask all my guests is: Have you been checking out anything in the the realm of horror uh, since the last time I spoke to you? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard arguments whether or not this is horror or not, but to me, it's horror. Uh, I just checked out Ty West's Sacrament. Oh yes, yeah, and, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed it. But I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of just the whole situation surrounding Jim Jones and that cult. Mm. And so, seeing the movie and the way it played out, I was a, I know so much about Jim Jones and Jonestown. I was able to just see so many parallels and things, and it was. I, I enjoyed it, and, and as far as a, like a found footage documentary kind of movie goes, you know, I'm not really into that so much, and I thought they did a really good job. And I know yeah. it's it's got a lot of detractors, but I, I dug it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was on the, the side of the detractors the first time I watched it. Um, I didn't quite know what to make of it, to be honest with you. Um, I went, and obviously Ty West's name being attached, and like Ty West... Whether you like him or loathe him, he's a bit of a powerhouse when it comes to you know the the small amount of movies he's put out. There's a tremendous amount of pressure being put on that name, you know, to to deliver. Um, and like yourself, I have have a bit of knowledge on the old Jonestown thing. Uh, being a semi interested in things like cults and serial killers and things like that, you know, a movie that's going to kind of emulate or or even to an extent take the kind of the mythos of what has happened in an event and transfer it to film is you know it's going to interest me straight away and um very much like yourself i'm not the biggest fan of the kind of found footage kind of faux documentary style movie and um the first time i watched it i thought you know it was incredibly well made movie really well acted but I kind of thought it built to a certain level of dread um, and then it, it didn't go where I wanted it to go. It didn't go far enough, which is, and I know it's quite strange in saying in that, you know, there's not many people left at the end of that movie. Um, but it just kind of felt like that and I, I, I was actually quite bummed out about it. And I know, like you were saying, there's a lot of people that bash into that movie. And I mean, they've all got their reasons and all the reasons are valid. I came back to the movie about a month and a half later. It was kind of, it was one of these ones that was just kind of... It was annoying me, the fact that, you know, there was a Ty West movie out there, and I'm a big Ty West fan, and I, I didn't like it, you know, I, I, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I came back to it a month and a half later and I watched it, this time with, you know, knowing what happened in the movie, with no airs and graces, no um, unrealistic expectations or anything, I sat and I watched that movie the second time, and I dug it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think, that I think I needed to go back to that. I think... I had just got an idea of what I expected the film was going to be, and when it didn't deliver, I got upset about that. And that was my initial watch, but the second watch, I enjoyed it a whole hell of a lot more. I don't necessarily think it's his best movie, oh, um, no. but not at all. I, I quite, yeah, I quite, I quite like the fact that he tried something different. I mean, so there's so many horror directors out there that play it safe and just kind of put out the same movie over and over again. Um, I quite like the fact that he tried something a bit different, and where I can still see bits and bobs that I'm like, I really wish he'd done this. And I know that the ending to the movie is not the ending he had intended. He got told to change it by the studio. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Ori- yeah, his original ending. Um, 
was that um, the the two camera folk would get back to well the two documentary makers would get back to the helicopter and as the helicopter took off it was booby trapped and it exploded and no one survived and I really liked that ending but um, unfortunately the studio didn't like that <laughs> well you know like that. In, in real life that's what Jim Jones had kind of intended too to happen yeah. was that there would be a bomb on the plane mm-hmm. and because it was a, in the in the real life thing it was a plane and not a helicopter but yeah um, the thing that I think is really cool, and, and I can see where where a lot of people can um, be kind of taken aback by the movie, because Ty West, everything I know about him is that he works with such a minuscule budget as far as like mm-hmm. a an indie filmmaker goes and stuff. You know, a mainstream indie filmmaker. Yeah. And uh, so his movies, I mean, he always does so exceptionally well. You know, Innkeeper's House of the Devil. They look they look and sound amazing. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. But um, with this one, I think what people didn't realize was that he was telling, it was more of a story driven thing and he had actually less money. Yeah. So I think in the, in the end, the thing that the only thing that kind of bugged me, but I got over it pretty fast because I knew why was that there were, there weren't that many people in the movie and yeah. I, you know, for Jonestown, I, you know, because almost a thousand people died, but then I started mm-hmm. thinking you'd have to pay a thousand extras and yeah. who, and who in the indie film scene has the money for that. Yeah, that's it, exactly. I mean, you, you have to be realistic. I, I mean, I know there's a lot of people saying like, the original events are far more horrific than, you know, anything on on screen. I would argue that just in general. Real-life crimes and real-life horror, to me, is more horrific than, you know, what's on screen because it's real. Someone actually did that as opposed to, to fiction. So I, I'm kind of with you. I don't, I, like I say, I don't necessarily think it's a flawless movie, but I understand the choices and why he made them. Um, the, there was obviously a bit of co- uh, controversy in that he said that, he said himself that it wasn't based, and in one of his interviews he said it wasn't based on Jonestown. And it clearly is. But in subsequent interviews, he has said it was based in Jonestown. I think the interviews that people are talking about were prior to the film coming out. So I don't know how much of that is him not wanting to see. You know, because if he, if he comes out and says, yeah, it's Jonestown, people know what they're going to see. They know screen. the ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you, so, why would you go see it if you knew the ending? <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think in part, the, the, the fact that he did say that, yeah, he lied. But I think he lied intentionally to make sure that people were kind of put off guard. Um, and I, yeah, like I say, going back to that movie a second time, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time. Um, and I, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, man, because I, I think uh, Ty West is an interesting director and I want to see him continue to experiment and try new things. And if he goes and tries a movie like this and people universally hate it, he'll just go back to doing Innkeepers and House of the Devil movies, which, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing because both those movies are amazing. But I kind of want to see him stretch and try different things. So, yeah, that's cool. Anything else you been checking out at all um honestly no i've i've watched a lot of documentaries a lot of horror but they're very horror related because it's a lot Mm of like you know you listen to last podcast on the left it's a lot oh yeah it's a lot of conspiracy stuff but a lot of it i mean is like proven stuff where it's it's like valid conspiracies not like bigfoot and Mm -hmm. you know just goofy things and a lot of it is just 
blowing my mind. Just a lot of it just creeps me out. So yeah, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Real life horror. Yeah. Um, because see, I check out these videos every now and again. They'll mention on their show what their source material is. Um, you know where they pulled information from, or particular videos online that you can go and check out. And you know, I found myself sitting down and I lose half a day on YouTube just Dude. looking at videos. And at the end of it, you're like, you you actually you feel like you know. You feel quite, quite paranoid about things. That's what happened to me the other day. I, I sat on YouTube and I started with one video and I just wanted to watch one video and they kept showing, you know, recommended videos and I just kept going link to link. And so, uh, yeah, and, and I did. I ended up feeling a little bit paranoid afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that podcast so much, man. And I, I would never have found out about that podcast if it wasn't for you. Um, really? I th- yeah, yeah, you posted. I think it was when you first come across them and you posted something online, something along the lines of finally a podcast that talks about serial killers. And I was going on my, right, what holiday was I going I think I was going on my honeymoon, actually. <laughs> and um, I downloaded, they just released a show on, and I'm going to get this, I think it was BTK. I think it was a BTK show. Um, and I, I downloaded, and then downloaded like the, the, the whole kind of back catalogue and stuff. And their show's very easy to listen to. I mean, you can fly through easily about seven or eight of those shows in a day without really, you know, feeling like, oh, I can't be bothered listening to this. Um yeah, yeah, really fucking good. Really, really, really good. Um, That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you say, I mean, there's there's a lot of podcasts out there that kind of, that do, there's a lot of horror podcasts out there. So if you get a podcast that kind of is doing something a little bit different, I mean, the stuff they talk about is fairly dark and fairly sinister. But the fact that they're three comedians as well, I mean, they're not poking fun at, everything there are certain things they are poking fun at the stuff they tend to do is the stuff that needs to be done that way because if you just sat and read it for what it is you would want to probably kill yourself so um i I really enjoy what they do so it's it's a great podcast well that's Um, the thing is is i found other podcasts that actually cover kind of the same subject matter but it's mm. so stern and serious and you're like oh "Oh my god i can't do this shit yeah, it's when someone when someone talks. I mean, that's where documentaries, actual documentaries, work out better. If you just listen to someone for an hour describe, you know, room by room how someone committed murders. I mean, it gets to the point where you're just like, I shouldn't be listening to this, <laughs> especially when you're in a, a, an office full of people that you might not necessarily get on with. Uh, it gives you ideas. Um, so uh, I haven't actually watched that much either. Um, I checked out for another show that I was doing um, two movies. Uh, it was the Duncan and Bo Come Correct one, and he gave me World's Greatest Dad, uh, which I'd never seen before with Robin Williams. Um, I've heard it's great. Yeah, it's uh, you know it was quite uncomfortable to watch as well, just because of the subject matter, because um, the subject matter in that deals with suicide. So, oh, so you watched it uh, after he died. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, oh. I'd never, I'd never seen it before, and then that was one of the reasons it was selected for me to watch. And because um, the, the the premise of that show is that the the two hosts, myself and Bo Ranstall, we select a movie for the other person to check out that they have never seen before. We both watch those movies, and at the end, we make a decision on which person had the better suggestion. So, so he came out with that movie, um, and like I say, I really enjoyed the the humour. Bobcat Goldthwait's a really interesting director, anyway. I quite like his work um, Robin Williams is phenomenal in it uh, but the fact that it focused on this this kind of well it wasn't a suicide it's, it's an, an accidental death but the father plays it off as a suicide to give his son dignity um, and then just certain things that were said in the movie like I think there's a specific scene where Robin Williams says um, that suicide is um, sh- suicide is a permanent solution to short term problems and you know obviously a week after he committed suicide it was you know a, a bit close to the bone um, the movie I selected for Bo though was one he had well obviously I hadn't seen before but is uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin which wasn't raising any sort of you know optimistic happy levels because that movie is a powerful watching. Have you ever checked that one out? No, I've never heard of that. What is oh, that? Oh, right. We need to talk about Kevin stars uh, Tilda Swindon as. Um, I like her. She, yeah, she's an ex- excellent actress. Uh, it's, it's primarily set with her, and you are set two years after an event, and she is shunned by the town that she lives in, and we go through a series of flashbacks um, from the moment she has, she gives birth to her son uh, a, a baby that she never really connects with you find that the child is you know, a bit of a even from a really young age he's very intelligent and very manipulative um, and it all builds up to a particular event that happens two years before when the film is set um, and it's, I mean there's there's no levity in the movie at all it's a, a very <laughs> very serious drama but it's powerful stuff and that movie will stick with you um, you know long after the fact so um, so I, I checked out that was only the, the second time I've ever seen it and it's about two or three years since I saw it the first time and it's not a movie you can watch a lot of times um, I did funny when we were doing the last show uh, that we were doing where we were talking about the you know the quite the eye um, we had started talking about De Palma Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and from that, right after that show, I checked out Dress to Kill, which is a movie I love. Um, I hadn't seen it in a wee while, but I had the Arrow Blu-ray of it. Um, I followed that up with Obsession, which was a movie that I had thought I'd seen before, but I'd never seen, um, and thoroughly enjoyed that as well. And um, two nights ago, I checked out The Fury, which was another De Palma movie that I haven't seen, um, which I also really enjoyed. So uh, still, still uh, getting that De Palma itch. Uh, scratched um, <laughs> and, and the fact that Arrow have put out you know a, a ton of his stuff on Blu-ray at the moment is pretty cool as well um, so uh, with that in mind uh, is there anything else you want to say at the start of the show before we jump out and do some news no that's pretty much it man awesome right we're going to be right back after this break Thank <laughs> you. 
the news. And welcome back, and this is the news segment. So, three stories for myself and Mr. Krug to talk about. Um, the first one, uh, we were speaking about this off here, is one that you didn't know anything about, and I had kind of heard rumours about, but assumed that this was never going to happen. But, um, according to Shot Till You Drop, the new Underworld film has its writer reboot term thrown around so um the article says that not too long ago a uh, shock till you drop was tipped off that the that they would be hearing about a new underworld film sooner than later um at the time they had tweeted about this uh, and i think they got a bit of negative flack on the old twitters um but the hollywood reporter is now reporting tonight that late shore has tapped cory goodman to write the new film now, this uh, outlet is calling the new film a reboot, but that term has been drawing confusion lately. For instance, when Shane Black was attached to the new Predator film, it was being called a reboot. Black stepped forward to clarify that it was a sequel um, that stayed within the canon. So, is Lake Show truly just rebooting the Underworld uh, franchise, which in mind, you know, means kind of starting from scratch, or are they going to resume where the previous film, Underworld Awakening, from 2012, left off? Um, and possibly give you know Kate Beckinsale uh, a send-off, which allows us to carry on with some new characters. Um, if you recall, in the last entry, Beckinsale's Celine was strapped with her daughter and looking for Michael, uh, who was played by Scott Speedman. Uh, it seems odd that they would want to get... You know, they wouldn't want to get some closure on that. Goodman penned Priest for Scream Gems as well as the Brood remake, which doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. And I am happy with that. You know, do not to, do not need to remake the Brood. Um, so yeah, I, this um, this is this is a bit confusing because it's not as if a huge amount of time has passed since the previous Underworld film it was 2012 um, and like they say this word reboot seems to be getting flung around loads at the moment everything's getting rebooted I mean it's not that long ago there was uh, the mention of a reboot of the uh, Tremors movies um, and that has had to be clarified since then that it's actually not a reboot of Tremors at all it's actually Tremors 5 so um, so that's happening too uh, yeah, there's a Tremors 5 happening. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know how much we actually need of that movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's happening. Um, but yeah, so, I mean... Here's a... Right, here, I pose this question to you, Johnny, right? Um, if a movie uh, has... If the last part of a movie's franchise has only just come out two years ago, um, do you think it's prudent and or necessary to reboot that franchise so quickly again? Well, actually, no, not at all. Because I know they had said that with Saw and Twilight, mm-hmm. which as soon as both of those movies did their final entries, they said, all right, reboot. And I'm like, are you, I mean, I'm not, I have no, I have no nothing invested in Twilight, but Saw, you know, I, I'm a horror fan. Mm-hmm. And... When those movies came out, and and I heard that, I was like, "How do you reboot something that just ended?" Yeah, I, I, it seems really strange, and you would think, um, from from our point of view uh, as uh, as cinema goers, cinephiles, um, that studios would want to be as clear as possible when making an announcement. You know, what I mean, the, the you know the understanding of what a word reboot means. Um, 
to, to everyone out there and the, the lexicon is if you reboot something you start from scratch that's what you're doing you're rebooting um so i can't understand why so many film studios are getting that wrong at the moment and attaching reboot to things which instantly garners a certain degree of negative hostility um probably just as much as the word remake does um you know by by us the the pain members of the public that check out these movies um i, I mean my opinion is that the likelihood is they'll probably just continue on the story um but that would be completely reliant on, for example, Kate Beckinsale coming back. So I could understand if she said, I'm not doing another Underworld movie, and they want to move on with Underworld, on some level they might have to reboot something. Um, I don't necessarily think that means they need to reboot everything. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, one of these things that... I mean, Underworld as it stands just now is... It's not. It's pretty much fringe horror now. Um, I, I don't even necessarily think the original one was fully invested in the horror genre, except with the exception that had vampires and werewolves in them. Um, <laughs> they, they were aimed more at that um, kind of the action, the, the sort of thing we grew up when we were watching movies like Blade, for example. Um, you know where we we kind of move into the more the realms of the fantastic. Um, so the second story, and this is one that appeals to me on so many levels um, is that Brian Fuller, uh, he is the guy behind the, the fantastic Hannibal uh, TV show just now, has had to clarify whether or not Jodie Foster will be directing an episode of Hannibal. So let that sink in first. Showrunner, Hannibal, television show, potential Jodie Foster, Clarice Starling, directing an episode of Hannibal. So, um, the article says, at a recent Emmys party, Hannibal showrunner Brian Fuller had ran into the Silence of the Lambs star, Jodie Foster. The result was an enthusiastic Twitter pic, um, which you can see on that article if you want to track it down. Uh, the, the encounter, a mix of two people hailing from two separate Hannibal screen adaptations, spurred rumours that Fuller was courting Foster for a directing gig in the upcoming third season of Hannibal. So when Shock spoke to Fuller, he went to clarify um, some of the things with a bit of sobering truth. He said, we reached out to her in the first season when we started to think about Hannibal. Um, I think she's a wonderful director and I would love to have her involved. I don't think it's going to happen <laughs> because she's got a lot on at the moment. And it's a television show connected to her most iconic performance and revisiting that territory might be artistically complicated for her. It was great to meet her and she's uh, absolutely stunning and she just glows. She has a wonderful light about her. Um, Fuller continued on the conversation with Shock Till You Drop a little bit more into season three of Hannibal, but um, this website apparently is teasing that we're not going to get any more stories out of them for the next couple of days. Um, so, I mean, the, the, it kind of seems fairly negative there. I, for one, would not be um, against Jodie Foster directing um, an episode of Hannibal because I love that television show. And it's like he says, it's linked to her most iconic character um, that she's ever played. I mean, that, that movie... 
if memory serves that movie won or the Oscar, I think. Um, uh, yeah, it, it won many Oscars, I think. Yeah, so I mean, I could see maybe there would be a level of trepidation potentially coming back to do something on that level. But at the same time, though, I'm, you know... Have you checked out Hannibal? Is that is that a television show that you got a chance to watch? Actually, I've wanted to. I just haven't had a chance yet. But yeah. the thing the thing with that show is that, um, you know, I, I, it would be cool to see her come in and do that. But at the same time, it, I don't know how probable it seems mm-hmm. because just because I had heard that the ratings had taken such a a, a dive. Yeah, it's it's a weird show because it. I've heard it's, it has like the fan backing, but just not the ratings. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's in part it's because of the the network. It's, it's on NSBC, I think, um, or N. I think it's NSBC. I think that's the name of the. I'm I'm woefully inept at talking about American television. Oh, it, it's station. NBC. NBC, right? And um, basically, the show. It's, I mean, it's dark. There's, you know, it's an incredibly dark show, and they push things to the limit. I mean, it's one of the goriest programs I've ever seen. Um, it's psychologically quite unnerving. Um, performances are fantastic, and each season starts with a, you know, it starts with a, obviously a viewing base, which builds up the first couple of episodes, and then in the middle of the season takes a dramatic drop. Um, but always finishes strong. So always like maybe the last two or three episodes, you know, the the, the viewer ratings come back up, and that's why it's been renewed always in about its last week of showing, um, of each season it gets renewed right at the last, the last gasp. Um, as a difficulty keeping viewers interested in the middle of the season. Um, and I mean you can look a couple of different ways in it. I think the show has very much like a lot of these shows, there is a overarching sort of plot which covers the entire season. But there is almost that kind of level of and I hate to use comparisons to something like CSI, but um <laughs> individual crimes that happen within that point that are done on an episodic level while this overarching story still goes in the background. So I think um, some people tune out of that. Um, I I know that basically what has been said is if that show ever gets cancelled, Netflix is picking it up. So there's no great worry there. And they've already said that season three will um, cover some of the backstory of the the Hannibal character, uh, covering some of the events that happened in Hannibal Rising, but not obviously doing Hannibal Rising, Um, and the inclusion somewhere in season three of Francis Dollaride, the the Tooth Fairy, um, which, you know, because that's basically what they've said they're going to do with the show. The show will eventually go through all the movies, um, so it'll cover the entire lexicon of all the, the movies um, and will obviously finish. I would imagine with what was intended as the original ending to Hannibal um, as as a movie. Because in the book, I don't know if you ever you ever read the the Hannibal book, but um, the book has a completely different ending to the film. Um, I'd heard that, yeah. Yeah, so at the end of the film, you get the scenario of um, Clarice Handcuff's uh Hannibal to herself, and she's trapped in the the I think it's the refrigerator or something. He traps her hair in there so she can't escape. And Hannibal, instead of chopping her hand off, chops his own hand off, and then makes a runner for it. At the end of Hannibal, um, Clarice and Hannibal are actually in love. That's um, what I heard. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's why Jodie Foster didn't want to do that. 
Yes, she didn't like the she did not like the idea of that, and that's why they got Julianne Moore into it. Um, and to me, that's an ending that I, you know, that's an ending I really want to see because there's something about I mean, there's something about the show, the way they're doing the show just now. There's almost like a love affair between the Will Graham character and the Hannibal character, and that the only two people that those two characters can identify with on any sort of, you know relationship level as each other even though they're on diametrically opposing sides of the law um, it's a really interesting show I, can, I I want to see them fulfil the seven seasons that they have kind of scoped out for that I like it when shows have a you know a really good idea of where they're taking it and they don't just meander through several seasons treading water because they know roughly how they're going to end it but they've not really worked out everything in between so, um, if you get an opportunity and it makes its way to some sort of platform like a Netflix or something, Johnny, I highly recommend that you check it out. I think it's a show. I mean, it's dealing with serial killers. I mean, it doesn't get, it. <laughs> doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, so yeah. were you were you saying that the uh, the main character in the show is based on the uh, character from Manhunter? Yes, yeah. As the the television show, um, the first two seasons, um, I think part of season three are set before Manhunter. So basically, it's leading up to the capture of Hannibal Lecter. So we we basically we are putting a scenario where Will Graham first meets. It's like almost like the. You know how at the beginning of Red Dragon they gave us a bit... Like, when you watch Manhunter, um, you don't see Will Graham capture Hannibal Lecter. You just see them interacting during the film. Um, But when they remade it um, into Red Dragon, we got the whole how Hannibal Lecter was caught, which I think is in the book. I think that's memory serves. That's actually in the Red Dragon book. Um... So, you know, they covered that sort of thing. The television show is set from the moment Will Graham meets Hannibal. Um, and it leads up to the point that... Well, it will it will take us through the events of Will Graham finding out that he's a Chesapeake Ripper. Um, Hannibal will eventually end up somewhere in the show. He will end up incarcerated, at which time we will go through the events of what happened in Red Dragon, then Silence of the Lambs, and then Hannibal, and that's when the show will finish. Which I really like the idea that I think it's it's got... As long as they can get the right casting for people like uh, Dollarhide or uh, Buffalo oh, Bill, oh yeah, you know if sure. they could, if they could, and they seem to be really good at their casting at the moment. Um, if they can get the right characters involved with that, that's going to be awesome. Man, so. yeah, I, I, that that's the main thing. I mean, if especially if they're going to tread those waters, I mean that that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. If you get a chance, check it out. And um, if you do get a chance to check it out, come back and let me know what you think. Uh, I'd be quite interested because um, it's, it's one of those ones that I think as television shows just uh, that are going just now. It's one of my favourites of the year. I think it's uh, season two especially was incredibly strong. Um, so the final story. Um, is more related to me because, unfortunately, Johnny, you don't live in the UK. Although I would say, I'm saying unfortunately, but it's pretty it's cold over here. <laughs> I, it's pretty cold over here, man. So I don't know. It'd be a, it'd be a massive climate change. Um, 
So I don't know how you cope with that. Um, let's just put it this way: see when the the sun is shining in Scotland, it's so infrequent that we see the sun shining in Scotland. It's like a celebration. Um, as <laughs> uh, any excuse for people to take their tops off. Um, so, um, but the we are getting in the UK. I think we're getting this about the same time as you guys. Actually, I may be wrong. Um, but we are getting uh, horns. The new new movie by Alex Azure. Um, he of a. Uh, he did Mirrors, but I didn't like that. He did uh, House of Eyes, Piranha. Um, what was that movie I really like that a lot of people don't like? High Tension. Um, he did High Tension as well. Uh, so, yeah, so this is his didn't first... He, he, didn't he do the remake of Mirrors, too? Yeah, I don't like that remake. What do you think of that? I didn't care for it much either. Oh, God. Someone somewhere... Um, I can't remember what podcast I heard this on. Someone somewhere has done a compilation of all the times that uh, Kiefer Sutherland says the word mirrors um, in that movie and made it put on YouTube and apparently it's about five minutes long. Oh, That's how that. many times he says mirrors in that movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so... Um, He's, he, I, I quite like he, him as a director. I know he was heavily involved in the selection of a uh, director and he was the executive producer on last year's Maniac, which was my film of the year. Um, so I think he's got a particular visual eye, which is quite interesting. And he was obviously given the, the opportunity to, to direct this movie based on the best-selling supernatural thriller novel by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. Uh, now, I've never read the book, but it is my intentions that I will read the book before I see the movie because advanced kind of reviews of the movie have said that it sticks very close to the book. So if you like the book, you're going to like the movie. So I'm going to check this out anyway. But um, there has finally been um, a full UK trailer released and a one sheet for this movie. So um, this is what the article says. This year we're getting a double dose of Alexander Aja. The film he produced, The Pyramid, hits theatres on December the 5th, but before that, on October 31st, we're seeing the release of his latest directorial effort, Horns. We've seen a domestic trailer hit the web, but today we have uh, not just um, the UK preview, but the poster as well. Based on the novel by Joe Hill, Horns is a supernatural thriller driven by fantasy, mystery and romance. The film follows Egg Perish, played by Daniel Radcliffe, and number one suspect for the violent rape and murder of his girlfriend, Merrin, who's played by Juno Temple. Hungover from the night of hard drinking, Egg wakes, awakens one morning to find horns starting to grow from his own head and soon realises their power drives people to confess their sins and give in to their most selfish and unspeakable impulses. An effective tool in his quest to discover the true circumstances of his late girlfriend's tragedy, tragedy, uh, tra- uh, tragedy <laughs> and for exacting revenge on her killer so um i i really I, I really am looking forward to this movie um i quite like the fact that daniel radcliffe has went down the road of say your elijah wood at the moment and you know he's he's doing he's done his his fair share of harry potter movies <laughs> and now he's kind of like you know 
he's he's got a, he grew up watching horror movies and now he's kind of investing time doing them. I also like the fact that he's not going for obviously big movies and kind of doing the lower budget, more kind of indie movies. Um, although this has got quite a bit of budget, so it's not necessarily indie. Um, the trailer is pretty cool actually and it looks like there's a heavy use of cgi but it doesn't look like the cgi is offensive it looks like it's been done really well as well is this something that's been on your radar johnny at all are you aware of horns is this something you're going to be looking forward to catching when it comes out in the states i i actually i'm i'm pretty interested in it but Someone had I hadn't heard of it at all, and a fan of uh, Kruger Nation had actually sent me an email asking me what I thought about it, like mm-hmm. a, the you know, and I I I honestly said I don't know, so I went and looked it up, and I was like, wow, this sounds pretty cool. So, I mean, it'll be cool to see Aja get back into some original territory. Yeah, because definitely. I mean, he's been he's been just like kind of meandering for too long in the remakes and that stuff. Even though some like Maniac, I mean. Even though he just produced that, I still think that was really great. But like stuff like Piranha and Mirrors, I think you know he should just get back to like high tension type stuff. Yeah, definitely. I love that movie. Um, do it. Do I, his thing. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the thing as well is that I quite dig the fact that, and I built, I'm sure I could almost I would be willing to bet money that this movie gets the same release date in the states. If not, it'll be like a couple of weeks behind. But what I'm really looking forward to is having a, a kind of horror esque movie coming out on Halloween. I'd, the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's because the the paranormal activities have taken a, a short break um, or the fact that the Saw franchise is finished, but last year there was not a horror movie released on Halloween, which blows my mind. <laughs> I just don't understand why that would happen because if ever there was a time of year catered to releasing supernatural or horror movies or anything like that, it's Halloween, so I'm I'm quite digging the fact that you know that we are getting a chance to see this movie, and they're putting it out at the appropriate time. Um, so this is not a movie that will be, you know, featuring in a, a January category or a or a you know a July category. This one's coming out about the time it's supposed to. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So um, that wraps up our news stories. We're going to take a very short break. Uh, myself and Johnny are going to gear ourselves up to deal with. Oh my god, number, oh no, do we have to talk about, um, number 6 on my top 10 best and worst horror remakes, and yeah, we're starting off with the worst, it is of course 2008 remake of Prom Night, so we're going to take a very short break, and when we return, you're going to, after this trailer anyway, we're going to talk about that movie right after this. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and kiss kiss the the goats. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, 
and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. Your dress. It's a champagne color, then it's a little sexy. That's confusion. You look beautiful. Oh, we're turning in, we're turning in. Oh, yeah. Can I get three keys to sweet 312? Oh my god, you guys! This is it. This is all ending. It's time of our lives. Sure gonna miss you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, everyone, Bridgeport High's prom king and prom queen are... Lisa! Lisa! Oh my god! Three years ago, this guy, he got obsessed with a young female student. He went psycho. He's been in a maximum security prison up until three days ago. Claire? He's somewhere in this hotel. Is anybody here? Hello? Donna. Oh, I've missed you. What is going on? He's locked all the exits. Can't find Lisa. Please don't do this. Please. Ah! Ah! I got offices down. I need backup now. Where is she? He's not gonna stop until he gets her. And welcome back. So you have just heard the trailer for the 2008 remake of Prom Night. So like we've been doing with all our reviews thus far on the the top 10 countdown, we're going to have a quick chat about the original movie. So the original Prom Night came out in 1980, a year before I was born. And um, it was directed by Paul Lynch. Um, the film obviously famously stars uh, Leslie Nielsen and Jamie Lee Curtis and there are some other cool names in there as well I'm not going to get too heavily involved with that um, the synopsis for that movie was a masked killer stalks four teenagers responsible for the accidental death of a six, uh, sorry, a little girl six years earlier at their high school senior prom now i want you to just remember what i said here because you will realize when we talk about the remake that none of that carries over at all um, <laughs> not not one fucking thing uh, right so um i was late to the party and seeing prom night actually i saw the original before i saw the remake which is cardinal sin um but i have a lot of time for the original i really enjoy that um i i, I 
as if I need to ask, Johnny, have you seen the original Prom Night? Oh, I love it, man. It it, it is. It's a uh, as far as slasher films go, it's definitely a, uh, it's a timepiece, but it's it's also a classic in that genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is in terms of the the lifespan of the the kind of the really the, the golden age of slashers. This one's appropriately placed as well. Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, like I say, really enjoy it. Like, you say it's quite dated, but, I mean, a lot of these movies are now. And let's be fair, it's because they're 30-odd years old now. So, I think you at that age, you're allowed to be dated. Um, <laughs> so, let's, let's fast forward to 2008, um, when we got our Prom Night remake, which was directed by Nelson McCormick. Um, the movie stars, and I'm going to rattle off not a massive amount of these names, uh, but star Brittany Snow, Scott Porter, Jessica Strip, Dana Davis, Colin Penny, Kelly Blatz, James Ranson, um, um, and other folk. I'm not going to go too much in this. <laughs> and here is a synopsis, the very different synopsis. Donna's senior prom is supposed to be the best night of her life. Though a sadistic killer from her past has different plans for her and her friends. So, Johnny, you are my guest, sir, um, and I will let you take the floor. Tell us what you think of the Prom Night remake. Okay, well, let me go ahead. <laughs> let me go ahead and start off by saying this. All right, I love the original. It'll never lose its spot in my heart. I went into this when it originally came out knowing it was going to be a piece of shit. Just because in the trailer, they show you the killer. Mm-hmm. So right there, I was like, okay, well, they, they took away the, the, the sense of mystery, you know. And then I actually watched the movie. And it's been it's been years since I've come back to it. So actually, this is the second time I've ever watched it. <laughs> and uh, I actually had to go buy this fucking thing. Because oh God! <laughs> I know, and and you know what's funny is now I have to give it away to somebody because I don't want to own it. <laughs> but um, it's uh, I got it really cheap. I got it for like two bucks. So, but it wasn't on anything streaming. But the thing is, this the movie starts off immediately blasphemous because the first thing it does is it plays a very classic song called "Time of the Season" by the Zombies. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, like a new like contemporary version of it that's not good at all <laughs> and, and and immediately i'm like this is the tone they're setting for this fucking movie really so this movie though it's it, so many cardinals there's so many sins but one of the main things is is what i said before they they absolutely lose any kind of mystery or suspense because the beginning of the movie, the girl's getting home and you talk about her earlier trauma. She sees her dad and her mother and her, her little brother murdered by her teacher, Mm ex-boyfriend. And so he goes away to a mental institution and or jail, I guess. And and he looks seriously, he looks like he's in the fucking Taliban. He like, (laughs) like he goes, (laughs) he he goes from being like, he's played by Jonathan Sheck, the guy from um, that thing you do. Mm. And he goes from looking like that character when he's murdering people to going to prison looking like Osama bin Laden. <laughs> like it's it's the funniest transformation I've ever seen. But so anyway, you you fast forward and there's a lot of really. I mean, before I even get into anything in the plot, the movie felt like. Do you guys have Lifetime in the UK? Lifetime Network. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily Lifetime, but I, I know what the. 
that we we have them on. There's a, a channel called Channel Five that tends to play what would be classed as lifetime movies on it. This is what that felt like. It felt like a lifetime <laughs> movie. It was more of like a stalker ex boyfriend movie than a, a slasher. Yeah. And of course, this is uh, PG thirteen. Even if you watch the unrated version, there's nothing added that is substantial to like to make it any more horrific. But um, the, the the main thing is just that um, the movie plays out. There's all the teenage drama you would expect. Uh, I mean, tons of characters. I would say for the most part, as far as remakes go in new movies, the characters weren't completely despicable. Like I didn't hate them all. Like they were they weren't sympathetic. But at the same time, I wasn't like I hope you die. You know, I just. Yeah. But at the but. There's just, I mean, there's not a lot to say about the movie other than he escapes from jail and they have this enormous prom, which is hilarious because they go, it's like they rent out a hotel and the, this, <laughs> this huge like showroom, this ballroom they have in this hotel. And the thing I thought was the funniest was there's what, like six main characters, mm-hmm. like between like the people who are like kind of the, the bitchy girls and then like the main character and but this whole ballroom is full of like a hundred or two hundred people. They start showing these slideshows on there, like remember your last year in school and stuff. And every picture is of these six fucking people. <laughs> There's not one picture they show that shows anybody else. And the whole time I'm like, okay, so they're a little biased here at the school. <laughs> but, but I mean, the movie it, it goes exactly where you expect it to. Unfortunately, it wasn't produced by Platinum Dunes because it feels like a Platinum Dunes movie. Yeah. Um, because there's no suspense. I- I've said it before, but every time I-, I told my girlfriend every time she'd never seen this, every time something would happen, I didn't remember the movie very well. But going into it, I knew every time a mirror was opened and then shut, something was going to pop up. <laughs> every time she would turn around, someone would be there like false scares. And I'm like. They're following the fake scare thing down to the T. Like, they're, like, reading from the book. And, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. This movie was just, it was, it was something. <laughs> it was a task. I, it was a task. Yeah, it, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's not a long movie either. It's 88 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uncut. <laughs> like, cut it some more. Come on. <laughs> Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on it as far as, like, the whole plot and, like, the, the, the menacing killer who looks like an Abercrombie model? Oh, man. Is it, you, you hit the nail on the head here because I, I very much, like yourself, have only... I had only ever, I saw this movie in the cinema um, when it came out, and um, I had never seen the original, and obviously I knew it was a remake of a slasher movie, and I was very much looking forward to, to seeing... Like, well, I went in with no preconceived conceptions because I'd never seen the original I didn't know what it was going to be about um, and I mean I saw the movie and it just it's like you say you see the killer right away um, and then we get these characters which is I just I don't like any of these characters at all I, I really don't like well, they're not they're not sympathetic yeah they, they aren't so like when when obviously when the, the nasty things start happening to them I just couldn't give a fuck at all. I couldn't give a, a, you know, a flying fuck about any of them. As it gets to that stage where 
I'm watching the movie, and there's a there's a lot of dead weight in this movie for a movie that's got you know, eighty eight minutes long. There's a lot of let's like you say, let's look at them in the the the, the prom, which you know, I, I mean, this must be the most expensive prom in, in the history of proms. Dude, um, so much exposition, so much. Oh fuck yeah, and it, 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 it it's it's ridiculous. Um, and you know, we're, we're given this group of six people, like you were saying, you know, um, three couples. And it is, it's the, the whole thing seems to be centred around them. Everything, and obviously those are main characters, but I mean the whole party seems to be centred around them. Uh, even down to the fact that the teacher wants one of them to be prom queen, and that's her pick. Um, and she's a person, apparently, that's picking. Or she's the one that's reading it out, which I thought, well, that's a wee bit biased. Um, <laughs> and then you've got, and of course you're, you're watching it, and you see the absolutely obnoxious girl who, the, they all hate, but she's the one that's thrown this fucking amazing party and she's the one that's apparently paid our parents had to pay one hundred thousand dollars on top of what the original budget was and i'm like that you see if my parents had to pay for that and people were at my party i would be nice to that person even if they were a bitch you know what i mean i just it's it's, it's feel like i find myself questioning these small details and i shouldn't be questioning these small details in a slasher movie what i should be doing is sitting down waiting for the kills and to be honest with you the kills are pretty fucking boring as well um this killer is the most boring dull <laughs> you know it's a lot i know he's a killer right but there's no he doesn't seem to be excited by anything he's doing so i don't really know what his motivation is other than he's he not wants, realistic like he's not realistic i mean even when you go like to corny corny slasher movies where the killer's saying puns mm. They're more realistic. Yeah, this guy has this guy has absolutely zero personality, um, and you know he's his whole purpose is to try and obviously get the main character. Um, to what purpose I don't quite know because she's terrified of him, so I don't know what he's is he wanting to marry her. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I I don't quite. It's never really explained, and then you see, I just if you if you were going to info, let's put it this way: if there was a prom happening. There, you know, there was going to be a lot of kids there, and you were a killer who was on the run. Would you spend so much time creeping about killing like maids and and all the rest, or would you try and put yourself <laughs> in a position that the first opportunity you would get to take her, you would take her? Of course, you would do it the second way. You wouldn't. I spend so much time just faffing about. Um, he's oh, playing I, games. He's he like, is. He's being stupid. He's playing games, but. W- I could understand if he was killing them and then deliberately putting them in a position so she could see them, but he's playing games with people that are inconsequential to what he wants. So what's the purpose? I, I, I just, I can't get my head around that. He spends so much time setting up these elaborate scenarios of, you know, misdirection and coming out and killing, like, the friends for no reason at all. Um, I just, I don't get it. Because, once again, if he if he derives some sort of pleasure from killing that we could see on screen through this thing like we, we like to call acting, um, <laughs> you know, if we could see that, I could understand why he was doing it. But he doesn't fucking, his face is so vacant and emotionless all the way through everything. I would much rather they'd given him a mask. I, 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 feel, I feel... Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I, I feel that that, you know... When when a slasher is wearing a mask, we don't need to see, you know, what their emotions are like. I would much rather than stare at his gormless, blank, emotionless face. Um, and it's just not a satisfying movie. I, 
it just, you know what the problem is? It's, it's telegraphed from the moment it starts, you know exactly where this movie's going, and it goes exactly where you think it's going. It's by the you, book. It is so by, it's so painfully by the book that when a character comes on screen, you're like that, you're going to die. Um, you know, you're probably going to be the third last person to die, and by God, they're the third <laughs> last person to lie. Um, so it's just. It's just a really, really boring remake. Um, and then coming back to check out the original, uh, which was, I think it was like a year, maybe two years after that, so maybe 2010-ish, uh, I checked out the original. And I checked it out in morbid curiosity because I thought remake. So basically all they've done is remake that, remade that movie. What, you know, why would they have, you know, why would I go and check out this movie which seems really plain and boring? And I check out the original and it's just got so much more going for it. Um... Better actor, better acting in it. Um, just it's more theatrical, and it feels like a you know like a slasher movie. This this remake to me is just I don't even and I don't know at what point someone sits there and says we've got uh, you know Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Out, we've had uh, you know well Friday the Thirteenth wouldn't have even been out at this point. It seems like with all the heavy hitters that you had that you could have potentially remade, why pick prom night? I, 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 why it pick it and me. not not actually do the movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you see the other ones, they at least try and make an attempt to do those movies. The I mean, there's so many things about this movie that just bug the shit out of me, and uh, one of them, I mean, okay, we were talking about the kills in this. I mean, they're they're tame. If you if you if anybody watches the original prom night, one thing you take away from that movie, if anything at all, if you ask any person, what do you remember from that movie? They're going to say the decapitation. Mm. It's so memorable at the end of that fucking movie. It's amazing. It's on a disco floor. There's there's a freaking like crystal balls or what are they called? Like a mirror ball and yeah, all sorts of shit going down. It's 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 iconic. And if you can't say anything else about that movie, it's that I mean that you remember that. This one, nobody's gonna remember anything from this. <laughs> like it, it is that bland. It is. It is seriously like it has nothing to re- be remembered by. And I mean that's one thing I have against this movie automatically is that it just it comes and goes. And the fact that I watched it last night and I didn't remember a single thing from from it. I was the same. I was the same. I I, I was watching it and like it's, it's the thing is so you. It's, you get this really weird feeling, like when I watched it the first time, I remember getting this kind of really weird feeling of deja vu as if I'd seen this movie before, and it's because I have, it's pretty much all the really bland elements of every other slasher movie you've ever seen put in one movie, Absolutely. and I couldn't, I couldn't remember anything about this at all, um, I just remember that I really hated it when I saw it at the cinema, and that's why it appeared on the list where it, where it did, and the kind of, the, the kind of double-edged sword we're doing these shows um, is that you know some of these movies I have made my list that I haven't seen since maybe the first time I saw them because obviously you're not going to revisit a bad movie why would you want to revisit a bad movie um, so I and the thing is when I've been watching them I I feel on certain levels the order of these movies should have been changed had I seen them before I did my list uh, you know they would slightly change but this one's on the money this is this is exactly where it needs to be in the list this is a really bad movie like a really bad this to me just like it fails at being like an interesting horror movie it fails at being an interesting slasher um it's just so generic it's unbelievable and it plays it safe all the way through it and i didn't realize that the 
that had the PG-13 rating over there. That, to me, explains maybe some of why when I'm watching this movie and I want it to go that extra step further, it doesn't... Deliver? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> at all. I, that's what I was thinking. It just... It doesn't... It, it just it, it drags its feet. It feels it, this movie feels two hours long, and it's it's nowhere near two hours long, um, and it's just really boring. I, I I find myself watching it, and 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 I hate people that do this, but I feel like when I was watching it um, last night, I felt like I just wanted to pick up my phone and check what was happening on Twitter. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like. Well, oh, oh, let's go to another cutscene where we're back at the prom, and let's look at another class video which contains only these six people. Um, you know what I mean? If I was, if I, if I was one of the students out with those six, and I was at that prom, and I'd had spent money on a, you know, a tuxedo, and I had my girl with me, and I was standing there, and I was looking up at the video trying to ca- encapsulate my year, my final year. Um, and I looked up there and I didn't see my face or anyone I knew except those six fuckers sitting at that table. <laughs> I'd be pissed, man. I'd be pissed. Absolutely. You know, here's a, another thing. I mean, I, I could go on forever about this movie. <laughs> but one other thing, though, about the killer in this movie is we talk about, you know, the original. It's a masked, like, killer who... It, it's a, it's it, There's some sense of mystery to it. Like, it's a whodunit. Yeah. And <laughs> this movie, not only... Does it not have that element? But they, this guy's a teacher. He's an ex-teacher. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a smart man. But did it seem to to you at all? Like to me, it seemed like he was kind of a bumbling idiot. <laughs> like <laughs> everything he did was like, "Hey, Captain Obvious!" Like every single time he was sneaking into a hotel room, people were like watching him. <laughs> Everybody oh, knew God. exactly what he was doing. Yeah, when when he kills the first. Um... The, the chamber uh, made with the, the basically the 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 maid. Aye, that's what I'm thinking of. That's the word. Um, when he kills her, and then the 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 guy sent to look look for her, and he comes out the room, and he stares directly at this this kind of porter, stares at him right in the face, and obviously make eye contact, and the porter's like, oh, that's a wee bit weird. So then he walks past him, and then stops to turn around and stare at him again, and then he walks down to the door. And then he looks at him again, and I'm like, if you were trying to make yourself look inconspicuous, you wouldn't be making so much fucking eye contact with the same guy. I'm like, oh my fucking... Just just, just carry around a neon sign that says, yes, I'm guilty of murder. Look at me, look at me now. Um, it's just... Oh. <laughs> one, one thing that, one thing that I, I thought was just comically funny... Okay, I, I've got... I mean, I know we, we should probably wrap this movie up soon. But one thing I got to say is, okay, like I said before, this guy was a teacher at their school. He was clean cut, normal looking guy. Looked like, uh, you know, that thing you do. that you know. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy goes to prison, has a beard, gets out of prison, shaves. He's clean cut again, but he's wearing a baseball hat. Yeah. For, for some reason, all of the main characters' friends – they 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 notice something like something familiar about him, but they can't quite peg it. They're like that guy. There's something about that guy right there. I mean, he's right in my face. I don't know what it is, but yeah. it's as if they only saw the fucking bearded pictures. Really, you you yeah. knew this guy is your teacher. Yeah, it's just like I, I really I really know him. This bugs me. Why do I know him? 
Why does that really intense, staring, murderous face, which, as a friend of someone whose family was massacred, would have been all over the fucking papers of that town? It would have been big fucking news. I mean, it would have made everything. Local teacher, murders family. That, you know, that, regardless if you're jumping forward three, four years, six years, or however long you're jumping forward, that's something that sticks with the town. Um, and this guy, is his whole... His whole surprise kind of costume here his whole camouflage is a baseball cap <laughs> I mean I, I, th- I mean a, a, a baseball cap and an emotionless face that's, that's yeah, basically he's, he's his he's acting disc- awkward he's, he's yeah. acting awkward as shit <laughs> oh he's everything he can do to make himself look like someone that's clearly a person of interest I just yeah <laughs> He yeah. might as well be. He might as well be like carrying sparklers or you know, <laughs> something with him, like like glow sticks or something, because the fucking guy stands out. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just a. Uh, oh, just and a... The, 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 there's a scene where the guy books the room and he's like, "I want to be on." He, the guy's like, "I'm on. I'm in room three, whatever." And he, yeah. the guy's like, "What floor would you want to be on?" He goes, "I think three something." <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the same floor as them. Well, that's that's quite interesting. Why that floor? Because I want to kill them, you know. Because that's basically what it is. It's like I'd be, I'd be a bit suspicious about that. And I've never stayed in any hotel where anyone's asked me what floor I want to stay in, especially never. if there's a prom booked in it and there's people staying in that. Those students are staying in that hotel, so you would imagine there wouldn't be much room left. But no, apparently you can pick whichever floor you want. Well, no, 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 no. What you don't understand, Duncan, is that only those six kids can afford to stay there. <laughs> And the rest of them are fucked. <laughs> they're going back home to their, you know, their trailers and stuff because their parents aren't rich. <laughs> but feel sorry for them. Feel sorry for them. I, I do. I do. I feel sorry for the other kids. Yeah, you, you need to feel sorry for those kids. They were oh. on the projector. <laughs> they, they were on the projector. <laughs> oh man, it oh, was such a bad movie. Such it... a bad movie. I told people I was doing the show with you, and I had. People actually get pissed at me. They're like, "You didn't like that." I'm like, "Are you fucking serious? You did like it?" <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're. I, I think because I think there was. I think there are people that went to see this movie, and you know, because it's just unremarkable. Certain people dug it. You know what I mean? There, there is that. There is that sort of kind of crossover for people that aren't necessarily really into horror. That certain horror films play really well to them. Which won't play well to like you, your your kind of more avid horror fan, and I th- I could see I could see I mean this movie did pretty pretty well in my country I think I, I don't necessarily think it was box office one but I think it was in the box office ten and I think it stayed there for a couple of weeks so there was people going out to see it I just don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would think word of mouth would get out it by that point. Yeah. Oh my god. It's I don't it's. Know. It's when when you gave me the list of remakes, and I saw this one on there. I honestly, I mean, even though I liked the next movie a lot, I didn't care what the other one was. I wanted to talk about <laughs> you this, were doing one this one <laughs> because I remember I remember being so let down. I was like, "What the fuck did they do?" Yeah, it's how 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 can you get a movie so wrong? I think. I mean, it's, well, it's only I, it's only a remake in title, honestly. I mean, because they they really follow none of the original storyline. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because the like last week, last week I did um, a movie, which was really only a remake in title, 
Um, there was like some slight elements which were similar in that you know it had a mother character and I think the mother character's name's the same. But I did Mother's Day as one of my you know one of the the best. I still on have the to list. watch that. Ah, oh, I really enjoy that movie. I think I- that movie is. It does what it says on the tin. It's a, it's a a really interesting home invasion movie, but it's not breaking boundaries or you know reinventing the wheel. It's just really solid. And Rebe- Rebecca De Mornay's character is absolutely fucking brilliant. She steals that movie. Um, but you know, I'd said on there that you know, I I don't necessarily mind films that take you know just the name or just a general sort of premise and go off and do their whole thing. Because if you're gonna do a remake to an extent. You know, that's kind of really what you're wanting. Someone's, you know, a different interpretation. They oh, didn't yeah. even do a different interpretation from this one. They just did a cookie cutter, sort of bland, generic slasher movie, and then just filled it with bland, generic characters. And it is just, it is the most unoffensive, boring remake that will make it onto my list. Um, some of the ones which are. Are obviously worse on the list coming up. <laughs> um, I can at least be really angry at this one. I just feel, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I just feel that this movie is a complete waste of something that could have been quite. I mean, because proms are still a big thing, you know. I, I mean, that sort of thing's still a big thing. If now more than ever, I mean, oh, programs, yeah. pr- programs like my Sweet Sixteen, all these generic programs, kind of at that time especially, kind of thrust that thing back into the spotlight. Parties and all the rest that they could have done something interesting with this movie, and this the the ball was clearly dropped in this one. Yeah, it's a shame. I, I honestly, I mean, the thing is, you said they don't have to reinvent the wheel, but the thing is. All they had to do was put out a somewhat competent slasher film, yeah. and yeah. we would have appreciated it just as much. Yeah, definitely, definitely, they, and they did. They didn't do that. So, right, <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we jump on a movie which we can actually talk nice things about? Uh, if you haven't seen it, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I second Johnny's statement. I second it hard. Right, <laughs> so we're going to take a very short break. You're going to hear the trailer for our next movie which is the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. Um, So uh, we're going to be right back after this. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my God, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, halfway through this movie, I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. (laughs) Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avenger. The New Favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Hey, Vivian. In a look, I can go backwards. Let me see. 
Hey, that's amazing. Hey. Hey, you. Vivian, honey, are you okay? just been informed that we are going off the air and switching to the emergency broadcasting system. Look up the road, there's a lot more of them. Why are they coming here? Maybe they're coming for us. The sooner or later they're gonna get in here. Baby's here before. It's only a matter of time. It's coming. They'll find a way in. Oh, God. welcome back so you have just heard the trailer for the 2004 remake of dawn of the dead so let me give you some information on this movie uh, in particular we'll start off with the original which uh, came out in 1978 it was directed by the master of horror mr george a romero this will be the third romero film to make my list of great remakes um I, I don't know what it is about romero's films they just seem to be easily remade i don't know if that's a, a, not all of them but um i think people are so diehard that they actually respect the source material yeah i mean i really <laughs> I, I, like um we've already had night of the living dead uh which came in at number 10 then we had um the crazies which came in at number eight um, and now we have Dawn of the Dead um, coming in at number six. So um, the synopsis, oh, in fact, some of the characters in here, uh, we had Ken Frey, obviously, a great, great um, kind of cult actor, um, uh, and a lot of other folk. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to read the list, but I'm, I, I want to move on and chat about the remake so much. Um, <laughs> the synopsis for the original was following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies, that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter, and a television executive girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. So, um, this is a movie I'm really familiar with. Um, when I was 
2018, I think it was. Um, I worked for two years in a movie rental shop. Um, and this was one of the VHSs that was regularly taken home by myself at the end of a shift. Um, I really, really dug this. I'm a big fan of Romero's work in general, but I, I think this is... Uh, I mean, this is the one that people tend to to look to as one of his best, and I think there's a reason behind that because it's a fucking awesome movie. Oh yeah. Um, what about yourself? Can you? Uh, I mean, do you, do you check it? Dawn of the Dead much? The original? Dude, like, I would say the first three Dead movies are, I mean, pretty much in constant rotation in my house. <laughs> like, yeah, I love these movies. I my my favorite is Day of the Dead, but Dawn of the Dead before that. I mean, it, it just it set up so many things that were different. Like, okay, you know, like with Night of the Living Dead, you have that isolated kind of farm feel and stuff. Mm -hmm. But with this one, it brought it to your city. It brought it to your mall. And, and I loved it, man. Like I thought it like it was the coolest thing ever. And and, as a kid, when you watch this, that's all I remember is watching it as a kid is, Mm -hmm. and seeing bikers invade a mall that's full of zombies and fucking, it's just insane. Like everything about it is so bat shit crazy, but at the same time, it, it's it's like horror perfection. Yeah, yeah, I don't think this is, yeah, definitely. I think this is Romero, to me, this was the movie that, I know Night of the Living Dead, a lot of people say, you know, it's the movie that put him on the map. No, to me, Dawn of the Dead's the movie that put him on the map. I think this is, that movie, everything just works. Well, see, Night of the Living Dead was, it was something new and different. Dawn mm-hmm. of the Dead fucking just amped it up it like it, it took something that was kind of established that was kind of it was you know it's pretty su- successful and it said we're gonna fucking make this work and mm-hmm. they they went full throttle with it man tom savini everybody involved with this galen ross i mean she's not a big name but she's she's kind of on the radar of most horror fans and stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean everybody in this did a fantastic job all the actors and stuff it, it's just I, I mean say what you will about zombies and stuff but i i think this one it still holds its place in history like it's it's phenomenal yeah and sonny you should mention my, my favorite of the the dead the dead trilogy is also day of the dead it's uh it's it's uh i think it's the natural progression from donna i think that's the one that he nails everything spot on i mean absolutely everything about that movie i love um so uh, we jump fast forward to 2004 um, and we get the Dawn of the Dead remake, um, which was directed by Zack Snyder. Some would argue, and I would probably agree with them, this is Zack Snyder's best movie. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, by a long way. Um, the the writers behind this were obviously George A. Romero, but the screenplay was adapted by a certain James Gunn, uh, who's currently riding high upon a tidal wave of success with Guardians of the Galaxy at the moment. Um so, uh, you know, you know why I like James Gunn because James Gunn, like he wrote Slither and directed Slither, yeah, and he did uh, Super also, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in an interview, he said a long time ago, I mean, before he was ever big shit, they people were giving him a bunch of crap about writing the Scooby Doo movies. He wrote uh-huh. both Scooby Doo movies, and he said, you know what, I wrote these movies because I love loved that series. But these movies, because I wrote them, I can do anything I want for the rest of my life yeah. and not have to worry about shit. So mm-hmm. 
I appreciate that the fact that he like did this so he could do like passion projects. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, you look at someone like Guillermo del Toro is exactly the same. Guillermo del Toro goes out and does um, a movie like uh, it was Mimic. He did, and the only reason he ever did Mimic was because that he wanted the chance to do um, like Hellboy. Backbone? No, he wanted to do he wanted to do Hellboy, and that was the trade off. Um, Hellboy was something they always wanted to do but they wouldn't let him do Hellboy unless he did Mimic he did Mimic which uh, uh, like or low that's you know is one of I think he's one of his less strong films so he could do Hellboy Hellboy didn't do as well as it was expected to do so then he goes off and does a movie like Devil's Backbone and A Pan's Labyrinth and he's still doing that I mean he did uh, Pacific Rim, he traded off Pacific Rim for his new movie Crimson Peak, I think, which is coming out next year, which is a low-budget indie horror movie. It's like a ghost story, and I can't fucking wait for that. And oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and he's going to go off and do his Pacific Rim 2, and that'll be a trade-off for something else. And I think that's, I think, I think he's honest about that as well. I do, I will do a big movie for them, so I get the a studio will allow me to do a passion project. So um, I'm, t- I'm totally down with that. James Gunn's, he's all right in my books. And I still check out Guardians of the Galaxy. But I mean, I, I love Slither. I'm such a big fan of that movie. I remember when that came out just going, oh, this is just everything I want in a movie. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I didn't actually until this moment know that he actually did the screenplay. For, for this uh, adaptation. Um, the movie stars Sailor, Sarah Polly, Ving Rhames, Jake Weber, Ty Burrow, uh, Michael Kelly, Kevin Zegers, uh, Michael Barry, Linda Booth, and a lot of other folks. The <laughs> synopsis for this movie, a nurse, a policeman, a young married couple, a salesman, and other survivors of a worldwide plague that is producing aggressive flesh-eating zombies take refuge in a mega Midwestern shopping mall. So, um, I saw this movie at the cinema, um, and I remember... Kind of, I remember the trailers for this movie, actually. I've got vague memories of seeing this and kind of writing this movie off right at the start. One, because I was so familiar with the source material. But two, as soon as I saw in the trailer there was running zombies, I went, oh, well, someone has seen 28 Days Later. <laughs> um, and it kind, of, it kind of annoyed me because I thought, you're just copying. You're, just, you're, you're doing a remake and all you're doing is copying a, a key contributor to why another zombie movie that, that came out like maybe the year before had done so well you've just kind of copied that and incorporated your movie and I was kind of negative on it but I still wanted to go and see it because like I say familiar really enjoy the source material uh, and I remember going to see this movie and just really having a blast with this one really really having a lot of fun and um, I mean right from the moment at the very start where that girl um, comes out of the room and she just fucking sprints down that hall and takes a massive chunk at that guy's throat. And then the intensity of those opening sequences, the thing about the the, the Dawn of the Dead remake um, is that within, f- within five minutes, you're flung into a zombie apocalypse. This movie doesn't really kind of stop at all. You know, there's 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 montage sequences where certain things are happening, where we're carrying on with the characters. But when you take into account how long they're actually in that mall, um, and there are certain indicators to how long they're actually stuck in there, um, 
This movie, I love the pacing of it. I love that. I love the quirky fact that you know it has a really good soundtrack, and the soundtrack's cleverly used in the movie. Um, you know whether it's like I say for montage purposes, um, or you know it just plays in the background over certain sequences in a way which kind of enhances what's happening on the screen. Um, I love the kind of quirky. Uh, can never remember the name of the guy that does it, but the, there's a a particular kind of acoustic, kind of swingy, poppy version of Down With The Sickness by Disturbed, which every time I hear it, it makes me smile, um, just because the, the guy's the guy's got a particular voice that makes me makes me think, this actually does sound like a, a lounge song, I don't know why, but um, I, I, quite, I quite like that as well. I mean, yeah, uh, Richard Cheese? That's it, cheese, Richard Cheese. Um, I really enjoy that as well, and I like how that's incorporated in there. I mean, I, I, there's a, there's obviously uh, this film gets a bit of criticism. Um, some of the criticisms flung at it because Romero's original has a particular statement um, to do with society, commercialism, consumerism, greed, consumerism. Sorry, yeah. Um, the the you know that's his his main kind of. That's his point with that movie to an extent. And this movie doesn't necessarily have that same statement. But what I would once again is very much like I said with the the Night of the Living Dead remake and the Crazies remake, time moves on. Um, you don't need to release a movie in 2004 banging on about uh, consumerism. We know what consumerism <laughs> is. We have lived through the 80s. We understand that. So to, to kind of go back to that it would be almost kind of hammy to an extent. And plus, I think Romero handles it really fucking well in his version of Dawn of the Dead that, you know, t- take it take it slightly different. Go and do something else with it. What, what I quite enjoy about it is the fact that we get these really kind of strong dynamics of these different characters from different aspects, from different parts of, you know, of life, different levels of society that are all thrust together and all have to rely on each other on one one way or another and their interactions are what drives this movie forward I really enjoy the performance by um, Jake Webber um, who I more commonly know from is it, what's the name of the, is it Medium? He's the husband in Medium I Yeah, think. yeah, yeah, the husband yeah, and that's that's how I know him. And recently, he was in a season two of the following. He played a, a kind of Jim Jones kind of cult leader. Really? Which, yeah, which was really I've heard funny. That show's awesome. I I really enjoy it. I think it's 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 kind of like it's like you were saying about the previous movie um, about you know how you can just do like a like a really dumb soulless sort of slasher thing um, that that. Because it's written by the same guy that did uh, Scream, the same writer from Scream, Kevin Williamson. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, he writes. He writes the following. That's his I didn't show. Know that at all. Well, basically, what he did was and this is a slight aside, but um, when he wrote Scream Four, he had a specific idea how he wanted that movie to finish, and the reason things ended on such a sour note was at the end of Scream Four, he wanted um, is it Jill? Jill's the niece, isn't it? I think. Jill, he, he wanted Jill to get away with it. That oh was the, yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, the the killer would the the next the next trilogy of those would follow basically the main character, the 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 survivor of the massacre actually being the killer, um, and there would be this cult that come up around 
this killer or people that wanted to emulate and all the rest. And because he didn't carry that forward, he just adapted that idea into the following. So that's what you get. You get a serial killer who has a cult of people that are serial killers that follow him. Um, and it, it works really well. It's a goofy show and, you know, it's very formulaic, but I think it works really well. Um, and he played, uh, Jake Weber played a kind of, like I say, Jim Jones-esque sort of hippie sort of man-child <laughs> character who runs a commune um, of, of kind of religious fanatics and he was really good in that and I couldn't remember him actually being in this movie it's been a wee while since I've seen the remake and when I come back to it I was like fuck that's that's the dude from Medium um, and I think he's really good in this movie I think he's like he is to me I know a lot of people look at Sarah Polly as like you know she is the main character of this movie I think Jake Weber is basically the linchpin of this movie and it, you know his performance is really good it's what ties it all down Ving oh, Rhames sure. yeah. Ving Rhames is fucking brilliant in this as well he's just playing badass Ving Rhames and I, I, I can get down with that Um I, yeah, so I, I mean, coming back to so essentially, what what we have in this movie is a very similar premise to the previous one. The majority of the movie is set in this mall, um, outside the 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 mall, obviously. For whatever reason, the zombies have all started showing up, and it is, it is kind of hinted on through one of the conversations. That Ving Rhames himself just says that you know maybe it's you know in their nature, maybe they just they're just remembering things they did in their old life, which is obviously a nod to the original. But they don't focus too much on that. They don't focus about what they do in the supermarket. Really, we don't spend too much time following the characters around, watching them try on things and you know going to all the different shops and really we get them through quick montage clips which I quite like um I love the 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 kind of the character development between the guy who's in the other building the guy who's like the the, the ace shot with the oh the, Andy yeah and I, I love that whole sequence you know where, where, where and, and I, I it's so harrowing where they finally get the dog to go over and bring him food, but by the dog going in to deliver food, it exposes a weakness in the 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 door defence, and then ultimately he gets bitten, and he doesn't know that if you get bitten, you turn. So, um, and then obviously Ving Rhames having to put him out of his misery. That to me is really fucking good writing, and I mean it delivers an emotional impact to this movie, which a lot of these movies don't fucking have. It delivers that. I have there's characters in this movie I care about. Um, the one thing I appreciate the fuck at this movie for is they don't kill the dog. Um, <laughs> I h- hate movies that feel the need to kill off an animal to get a bit of shock value in it. I love the fact that the dog survives. Um, that's nothing to do with the fact that I own dogs, but I love that fact. Um, I just think, and even the gore in this movie is really, really cool. There's a particular sequence, and I think is one of the best, because... You were talking about um, earlier when we were talking about the sacrament and budgets, and you you don't have a thousand a thousand people that can all show up and you know fake suicide on camera for that. It's a small budget film. This one they cram in the zombies. There's fucking loads <laughs> of them, and I appreciate it because it feels like you know it feels realistic. This is an epidemic. It's taken over everywhere. We have a giant fucking mall and there's loads of zombies trying to get in. Um, but when they escape with the buses and they're trapped and there's that great sequence where the camera is shot from an aerial position looking down and it's just a sea of zombies. All you can see is two vans and a sea of zombies. And I think that's so fucking striking visually. Um 
Yeah, I, I fucking love this movie. I really, really... I, I had a blast watching this movie last night. Uh, so two nights ago. Um, and just smiling ear to ear. I just think, yeah. This, this to me... It does a lot right. Does it? Does it capture the, the the social commentary of the original? No, but like I say, I would argue you don't need that in remaking this film. Romero did it fucking great first time round. Um, this to me is a really fucking strong zombie movie first and foremost, and it gives us characters we 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 like. Gives us characters we dislike. The ones we dislike meet a rather sticky end, which is very satisfying. <laughs> um, what about yourself, Johnny? When did you see this movie first? I actually saw a sneak peek in the theater when it first came out, like before it came out. And uh, that was one thing I really liked about it, too, is that you talk about the characters. <laughs> one, th- one thing about the characters is even the ones like there's a humanity to them, like even the characters that you don't necessarily agree with. You can understand where they're coming from. Like mm-hmm. like there's the uh, the guy whose wife or girlfriend got, you know, she bit and she's pregnant. And and that character Obviously, you know the outcome of the situation, but you can put yourself in that situation and be like, well, I know where he's coming from, and and because the whole it's all out of hand. Nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's infected. It's uh, But, you know, she dies and obviously gives birth to this zombie baby, and, of course, him being defensive, mm-hmm. it, it, it ends up in this big showdown between him and another non-infected person. Yeah. So... So I mean, and I think that that's as far as c- comparing it to the the Romero original. I think that's very important. Is that the original had like more of a like a political standpoint, whereas this one has more of like a social. Like I I think it it does it it, it communicates with. How do I? It's hard to explain. Like, like how people would react in certain situations, and you know with. Because it's two people who obviously they're not a threat to each other, but they could be it, you know, potentially. And and I think I don't know. I really, I just really like that that part of the movie because everybody in this one seems a little bit more reserved and suspicious of one another than the, the original. They're just like kind of hanging out, and you know, it it's, it kind of plays out the way it does. But this one, it's like everybody's like, "Well, your dad was bit. We got to shoot him." Yeah, we got to kill him, you know, and then that's the thing is like they they all kind of have they they know what's right and they kind of have an idea of what's going on. And and I think that that's more at play here than the original. And and I I like that. Yeah, yeah, I I think that sequence as well. And I don't know why I forgot that there. That sequence where basically, you know, they they realize that if you've been bitten, that's that's what turns you. And um, then they're having a conversation and uh, she's like, Oh, you know that 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 kid's dad. He's been bitten, um, and then they go through, and then obviously have to, you know, he's coming to shoot you and all the rest. And then Ving Rhames comes through, and the only thing I can liken it to is when the owner of an animal that needs to be put down comes into a room. You know, they're obviously they're going to put that animal down, and there's sad sadness in their eyes, and um, and that scene evokes that to me when he comes in with a shotgun and oh man, absolutely, oh really, and that's what I'm saying. That that character's in this movie for how long? He's in this movie for about ten minutes, and I but feel for that character. Yeah, yeah it, 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 I, I feel it is. for that character, and that's that's good fucking movie making. It really is. Yeah, I mean, say what you will, but I mean, like, it really is. I mean, if you can evoke that kind of emotion and stuff in just a few minutes of a movie, 
I mean, and, and, and that happens a few times throughout the movie. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not just that scene. I mean, like I said, there's so many scenes where, like, it, it really plays on morality and, and how you deal with loss and, 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 and acceptance of loss. And, and, and I like that. I think that, I mean, in the movie, I mean, not to make it sound so downtrodden, the movie does have <laughs> levity. I mean, it's a very fun movie, too. Oh yeah, there's there's a I love the the fact that when they are getting Andy to shoot particular zombies that look like celebrities, <laughs> um, and the the guy from is that the guy that does Modern Family? Is that yeah is that, yeah yeah that's what I, I thought well, yeah yeah and he he she says something about their upbringing and he turns around and says you have my permission if I ever turn out one of them to put a bullet right in my head and she says oh don't worry about that and of course what happens he becomes a zombie at the end and she puts a bullet right in his fucking head and I just thought and that makes me smile you know that sort of thing makes me smile because they played it that way earlier on in the movie Um, and there's a lot of that in this movie there's a lot of of humour, whether it's the the two security guards who have now been locked locked away, and they're having to sit and listen to the 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 old guy who who's regaling them with stories about exactly at what point in life he found out he was gay, um, <laughs> and telling them stories. And now you know they're just looking at him, going, "Oh, come on, please, just stop." Um, I, I like those sort of sequences, and that's it's. You couldn't have well. You could have a movie which was basically this downward spiral, bleak depression, all the way through right to the very end of this zombie, zombie outbreak or apocalypse or whatever. You could do that movie. I, I would probably watch that movie. Um, this one's far more interesting because um, it takes the time to develop characters, and like you say, the, they're kind of realistic characters. And people, when faced with adversity in a group people will try and find something to be optimistic, happy about, and, you know, people will crack jokes and all the rest. That's just humanity. That's just what people do. Um, and I think this movie captures that really fucking well. Um, what, what's your take on the... Because I, I really enjoy the gore effects in this movie. Are you Are you a lover of them? Oh, absolutely, dude. Oh, yeah. I thought, like, I mean, there was a lot of practical stuff in this. I hear people bitch about the CGI in it, but there's not a whole lot. I mean... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of practical effects in this movie, and and uh, I I really liked it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I mean, more than the uh, effects in this movie, I would say that the thing that impressed me was the camera work. Yeah, like it, it was beautifully shot. I don't know who shot it, but I mean, <laughs> it, this movie looked brilliant. I mean, everything about it. Just if you just go back and watch just the way they, the way scenes were shot up. Just the just the scene at the beginning where. The zombie falls into the uh, the the fountain at the mall, and and they show the underwater shot of the blood and the floating zombie. It's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like, it, and it's and it shouldn't be. That's the thing is like they they took the time to make it, you know, that way. Whereas another movie would just you know they shoot him and he's in the water and and they're that's gone. The scene's over. Yeah. And uh, the gore was good. I mean, the gore was really great in this. I thought. Uh, the the zombie makeup was fucking fantastic. Like yeah, thought the, as well. Yeah, the big woman zombie that <laughs> they think oh, dies. <laughs> yeah, that that bum rushes uh, Sarah Polly's character. Oh my god! Like that makeup is horrific. Yeah, as as there's when she gets up and runs faster than someone her size should be able to do. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty terrifying. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty much a semi tractor trailer coming at you. It's um, but I mean, everything about this movie. I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I went into this when it first came out, and I, I was kind of like you. I went into it. I had free free passes, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm probably not gonna like this. Because I never heard of Zack Snyder or uh, James Gunn or any any of these people, mm-hmm. and I mean I knew the main actress Sarah Pauly and uh, Ving Rhames, but I went into it and I was like, okay. So after about ten minutes in this movie, you're like, you know what's shit really hits the fan, and and they do all the 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 very the like the wide shots of cutting out from her driving through like the just the town being destroyed oh, by zombies, yeah. which is amazing. The shot is fucking really fantastic. Fucking good. Really fucking good. Because they, they zoom in on her earlier when she's leaving work, and when she's leaving her house after chaos breaks out, like, they're zooming out, and it's fantastic. I was in the theater sitting there as kind of a negative, you know, going into it. Like, I, I was fucking sold. I was like, they are, this movie's got me. Like, there's something about this movie that's just, like, really enraptured me. Like, they did a really great job. I mean, I, I mean, as far as, you, when you take a classic and you make something that, is equally as enjoyable. I think that's that's hard to do. Yeah, I think and so they, as well. They did it. I mean, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I, th- I, 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 I mean, in closing, for me, I, I would say that if you have somehow managed to exist on this planet and not seen this movie, I mean, there's a lot. Of, this one's an, a, a fairly. I thought when I put it on my list, I thought this was a fairly obvious choice. But there's a reason it's, it's a fairly obvious choice. I genuinely think this is a really fucking good remake. Um, for those that maybe are getting into zombie movies now, um, just because there's so much of it just now, and are maybe feeling a bit, you know, uninterested by by where things are going and you want to see something which is a lot of fun has like emotional gravity behind it as well um has great gore effects um like you say johnny oh some really fucking interesting well executed shots a really quirky soundtrack um some humor it doesn't completely take itself seriously then you should be checking out the dawn of the dead remake and while you're at it check out that original as well that original freaking really holds up but yeah it's, it's just a really really fucking good remake 100 percent. and and the thing is with this movie is, is uh it, it, you can pretty much go into it even if you're you're new to zombies or if you're old to zombies like the whole thing is you go into it and you have a good time. I mean, the movie has it's first of all it's rated R, so it's gonna have it's gonna have some darker humor, some more visually gory effects. The chainsaw scene in the van. Oh, I love that. <laughs> love it. It's it's something that I mean, if you haven't seen the movie or if you have, I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, you have to see that effect. It's just because it's so unexpected. Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie. It, it actually incorporates a little bit of titties at the, you know, there's a little bit of that during the montage. Um, it has actors. Most people, if you're just getting into it, you'll know these actors mm-hmm. because, you know, Ty Burrell, like you said, modern family, uh, modern, uh, modern family. Mm-hmm. That was hard to get out. And, uh, Ving Rhames, if you're, you know, horror fan, people under the stairs, he's done tons of stuff. Um, mm. He did the uh, unfortunate Day of the Dead remake, which was yeah. absolute shit. With, <laughs> with Chris, uh, was it Chris Cannon in it? 
I've was... never never seen that movie. Never Don't. seen that movie. And it's, it's because I got told it was very <laughs> similar. We were talking about Prom Night that it's like a remake in name only. Um, there's, a veg- out. there's a vegetarian zombie. Oh, fuck that movie. <laughs> okay, there, that's all you, I think it's all you need to know. <laughs> like, vegetarian zombies should completely turn you away from that. But, uh, um, and Sarah Pauly, I don't know if uh, in um, the UK if you guys had this, but when I was growing up, we had a show here, like on PBS or one of the like local like uh, public access channels. Mm-hmm. It was called uh, Ramona. It was based on a book series, Ramona and Beezus. No, I've never seen that, no. Okay. Um, well, Sarah Pauly, the main girl in this, she actually was Ramona in the show. She, I mean, as like she was like seven years old, eight years old, and uh, it, I, I read the books and I watched the show and I thought it was really, really cool. And uh, when this movie came out, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, "How do I know this woman? I know her from something." <laughs> and so I, I looked it up, and back in 2004, I was like, "I'm not sure if it's Google. It's probably like fucking like uh, GoSearch.com or something." But uh, I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, she's Ramona from that show. So it was pretty cool seeing her do that. But uh, so, I mean, the movie has so many things going for it. There's absolutely. I don't understand any sort of hatred for this movie. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. Warning, the Midnight Horror Show is not safe for work and is definitely not for the faint of heart. The following is a small sample of what you'll hear live every Wednesday night at 7 at allradiox.com. I heard from you shitheads for fucking years. Now, Webula, we do this thing that's called a live radio show on the internet. And so there's people that interact with us. Yeah, they're listening and responding to us right now in real time. Who, who, who's talking shit? <laughs> fuck, Somebody's talking shit? Someone named Fuckface. And so then, fuck you, Fuckface. <laughs> oh, you think we'll go off on tangents <laughs> on the Midnight Horror <laughs> Have show? you ever listened to this show before, Mark? <laughs> he was masturbating into the, the corpse of a fucking beheaded fish. Fucking uh, nasty motherfucker. <laughs> We're going to end the show on corpse fucking this time, apparently. Anytime you talk about necophilia, you're talking... It's going to take a certain kind of person to watch it. Yes, it's a charmed life. Fuck you. (laughs) You can hear the Midnight Horror Show live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday night at allradiox.com or download the show on iTunes, Podomatic, or at the allradiox.com page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And welcome back. So you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 35, where we tackle number six on the top ten best and worst horror remakes as selected by the podcast Under the Stairs, with reviews of 2008's Prom Night and 2004's Dawn of the Dead. Did you enjoy that, Johnny? Absolutely. As, as I said before, Prom Night is fucking amazing. If you haven't seen it, go right now, buy it. Buy the yeah. Blu-ray special edition Criterion Collection edition of that. And uh, Dawn of the Dead, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you just chimed in here on the show, you know I'm full of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I was actually, you were saying that and I was like, what, what? is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> did, he have a, did he have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> But the, I did. I, I loved it. Like, when you gave me the list of movies, I was like, I had to be on this one. And, and not only for, for um, Prom Night, because it, it's horrible, but Dawn of the Dead's <laughs> amazing. And, I, and I, I do think that there's so much talk in the, in the horror community about 
remakes that, you know, despite what everybody says, that there is a general consensus about what is great and what is awful. And, 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 and you know, everybody has their own opinion, but I think ultimately the, the like, like you said, the avid horror fans are, they're going to kind of flock to the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, uh, you said you are currently in the process of building up to, to unleash some new, uh, Kruger nation action. Um, can you give us any, uh, sneak, insights into what you might be potentially discussing on an upcoming show okay i have the final chapter of the friday the 13th series i'm doing six films i'm going to try and get them all done in one episode get them all Holy out shit <laughs> and then after that i'm going to do some giallo films and and i'm going to do a lot of crazy stuff you know like the incubus and uh the fantasist a lot of stuff that's just kind of out there that you know you don't hear a lot of people talking about so mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty excited for that. Also, this weekend, I'm going to be on The History Continues. We're uh, talking about Silent Rage, the Chuck Norris slasher film. Oh, my God. I'm fucking stoked because not many people either know about it or even like it. And I love that movie. (laughs) I've not seen that in years. So that's something to look forward to because those guys, the guys at The History Continues are amazing. And it's going to be it's going to be a live show. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Um, and obviously you will be uh, coming back on this show sometime in September when I can, can when I can pull in everyone together into some sort of time frame that I can get everyone to give up uh, between two and three hours of their life to sit down and do a, a roundtable discussion on the collective works of one Dario Argento. I'm so stoked for that. Like when, yeah. you, when you and I were talking and you were like, hey, the next time you come on, and I was like, oh, yeah, Argento. You're like, no, it's actually the remake episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, in. I forgot. <laughs> you just <laughs> totally were like, Argento, yeah, that's what's happening. Isn't I was it? so excited about it. <laughs> like, yeah, so that's going to that's gonna be a blast. And I think I've already said, but I can confirm that you, not only Johnny Craig will be coming on, but Dave Z from Banana Laser and David Anders Jr. will be joining me to do that show. And that is going to be pretty fucking awesome because that's a director that I could spend very much the the, the list of things I have to say about that uh, that director is probably the, the same length as Johnny Krug's <laughs> list for prom night um, so <laughs> long um so uh yes that that's that's going to be a lot of fun as well um as always at the end of the show i like to do some shout outs to some other shows um so if you get a chance people should be checking out everything on legion podcast network that's uh that's where this show's hosted, but um, there's also a ton of great shows over there. Graveshift Radio, um, Devour the Podcast, um, anything done by Gary Hill. Gary Hill's a busy, busy man. But you can also check out some of the other shows over there. Creepy Kitch, Horrible Podcast. Um, just just tons to listen to. Um, equally, there's just as many shows over at Horophilia. Um, you get the chance, you should be checking out Kiss the Goat, um, The Skeleton Crew, Banana Laser, Phantom Zone, my bloody podcast and my good buddies Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast back over there and at the end of every show and I will get this right this time I named the show wrong last time I was listening back to it a couple of days later and realised what a complete dick I had been for getting this show name wrong Um, 
listener to this show, um, Andy Blockley's podcast with his lovely wife Rachel, which is Big Horror and Little Podcast. Um, they will be dropping episode three of that podcast very soon. So you guys need to go out, check that show out now. You can listen to it exclusively on Legion Podcast Network. So so check them out. Um, as for podcasts under the stairs, well, we have um, our anniversary show dropping probably a couple of days after this show lands. Um, it's a really good one. Johnny Crew is going to be joining me back on that show to discuss... Uh, white of the eye which um like he said earlier on really fucking good discussion um after that next week we will have the next part of the countdown it's number five on the list we're halfway through this list now <laughs> um and jamie jenkins will be joining me for that i can't obviously tell you the movies because i like to keep them a surprise but uh, suffice to say um that it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be a lot of fun there's going to be a lot of of gushing over one film and a lot of hatred Rightly and justly pointed at the other. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what is coming up on the show. Um, Johnny, would you like to say goodbye to my listeners and once again remind them where they can check out your show? Uh, I would. Uh, Johnny Krug at gmail.com, Johnny Krug on Facebook and Twitter. My show is KrugerNation.com. It's also on iTunes and apparently several other podcast outlets so <laughs> check it out um one thing i would like to say before we end the show is if you haven't seen the stepfather remake it's directed by the same guy who did prom night so just think about that first <laughs> <laughs> but uh no man duncan fucking thanks man for having me on dude i, I fucking love coming on here dude it's honestly, you're like one of my. It's when I get an opportunity to chat to you, I know it's always going to be a, a blast. Like I said before, you're one of my favorite podcasters. You just got like such a an upbeat look on things, and a lot of people <laughs> like get dragged down. I mean, there's there. I would not expect anyone. I wouldn't. I wouldn't accuse anyone of being drab if I had to talk about the prom night remake. But you <laughs> made that one. You made that one a fun talking environment. Because trust me, I wasn't looking forward to chatting about that motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, thanks very much again for coming on the show. And like I say, you'll be back on. There's plenty of things to discuss. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I look forward to doing them. Uh, to my listeners out there, um, thank you very much for checking out this last show before our one-year anniversary. Everything that uh, you post on the page is brilliant. I enjoy all the conversations backwards and forwards. If it wasn't for you guys, I am genuinely saying this, this show would not have had a year under its belt. Um, you make it very much worthwhile. Your feedback is awesome. Um, if you're not on our Facebook page yet, then you can't contribute to all this fun. Um, so, go to Facebook and the top search bar, type in podcast under the stairs. Come over to the closed group. I will accept you and you can get involved with that conversation. If you've got the chance, maybe leave me some feedback on iTunes. If you're listening to me through an Apple a product of some description um, then you know you can go right into iTunes and leave me a, a rating there if it's a really positive rating then it bumps up my position uh, and means that more people are likely to stumble across my podcast so um, from under the stairs this has been your host Duncan McLeish saying thank you very much for listening uh, and I will speak to you all very very soon take care bye everyone <laughs>